Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive light into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on live every day like Jesus is coming back today. So let's live every day as though it could be our last because one day it will be. That is why scripture says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom from Psalm 9012. Especially in this time, keep perspective and make each day count, make each day significant. I believe that the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. That is, his return could occur at any moment. We, with the Apostle Paul, look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing that the Lord could come back today, some are tempted to stop what they are doing and just wait for him. However, there is a big difference between knowing that Jesus could return today and knowing that he will return today. No one knows about that day or hour. The time of his coming is something God has not revealed to anyone, and so until he calls us to himself, we should continue to serving him. In Jesus' parable of the ten talents, the departing king instructs his servants to occupy until I come, from Luke 19.13. The return of Christ is always presented in Scripture as a great motivation to action, not a reason to cease from action. In 1 Corinthians 15.58, Paul wraps up his teaching on the rapture by saying, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 5.6, Paul concludes a lesson on Christ's coming with these words, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. To retreat and hold the fort was never Jesus' attention for us. Instead, we work while we can. Night is coming when no one can work, from John 9, 4. The apostles lived and served with the idea that Jesus could return within their lifetime. What if they had ceased from their labors and just waited? They would have been in disobedience to Christ's command, to go into the world and preach the good news to all creation and the gospel would not have been spread. The apostles understood that Jesus' imminent return meant that they must busy themselves with God's work. They lived life to the fullest as if every day were their last. We too should view every day as a gift and use it to glorify God. So Rick Warren writes, How to be confident during uncertain times. It can be hard today to tell what's true and what isn't. We get conflicting information from multiple sources. It seems like there are studies and experts, research and polls that all contradict each other. When things seem uncertain, we can remain certain of the truth. God is in control. The Bible says, Brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord comes again. See how farmers wait for their precious crops to grow. They wait patiently for fall and spring rains. You too must be patient. Don't give up. The Lord will soon be here. Brothers and sisters, stop complaining about each other or you will be condemned. Realize that the judge is standing at the door from James 5, 7 through 9. Why does James remind us several times in this passage that the Lord is coming back? Because it's the ultimate proof that God is in control. History is God's story. It's not circular. There is no circle of life. History is linear and is moving to a climax. God has a plan, God has a purpose, and one day Jesus is going to return. Everything is on schedule. 
We don't know when he's coming back, but the Bible talks more about Jesus' second coming than it does about his first coming. That means it should change how we live our lives every day. We should be living with great expectation. Although your situation may seem out of control and feel painful, nothing is beyond God's control. Be patient. God's timing is perfect. He's never late. He is always in control. So the Phillips paraphrase of James 5.8 says, Be patient, resting your hearts on the ultimate certainty. So what's the ultimate certainty? Jesus is going to come back one day, and nothing can stop that. Not one person, no power, knowing that all of history is under God's control and that Jesus has promised to return should give you all the confidence you need in uncertain times. When you feel like you can't count on anything else, count on the truth, God's got this, and Jesus will come back one day soon to make all things right and new. And from Matthew twenty-five thirteen, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So I'm inspired by the country singer Tim McGraw's song, Live Like You Were Dying. In it, it describes some of the exciting bucket list things a man did after receiving some bad news about his health. He also chose to love and forgive people more freely, speaking to them more tenderly. The song recommends that we live well, as if knowing our lives will end soon. This song reminds us that our time is limited. It's important for us to not put off for tomorrow what we can do today, because one day we'll run out of tomorrows. This is particularly urgent for believers in Jesus, who believe that Jesus may return at any moment, perhaps in this very second that you're hearing this. Jesus urges us to be ready, not living like a five foolish virgins who were caught unprepared when their bridegroom returned from Matthew 25. But McGraw's song doesn't tell the whole story. We who love Jesus will never run out of tomorrows. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Our life in him never ends. So don't live like you're dying because you're not. Rather, live like Jesus is coming because he is. From Ephesians 5, 15-16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Have you ever gotten a phone call in the middle of the night when the phone rings your heart jumps because no one wants to call at that hour? And then for some strange reason the caller usually asks, Did I wake you? I don't know why, but generally we deny it. Why can't we just say, Yes, I was asleep, it's night time. In Romans 13, the Apostle Paul warned Christians to wake up and stop living in denial about the fact that some of them were actually sleeping spiritually. He wrote, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of a sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. The J.B. Phillips translation puts it this way, Why all this stress on behavior? Because as I think you have realized, the present time is of the highest importance. It is time to wake up to reality. Every day brings God's salvation nearer. What is the present time that Paul is referring to? I believe Paul is alluding to the fact of Christ's return. Do you believe that Jesus could come back today? That's good if you do. It means that you're very astute theologically. He could come back today, so be aware of that reality. Yet, there's another thing I would add. 
Beware of the fact that you don't know how long you will live. I know many people who have passed on from a young age. So let's live every day as though it could be our last because one day it will be. That is why scripture says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, that's from Psalm 90:12. Especially at this time, keep perspective and make each day count. Make each day significant. So next, I want to introduce a song to you called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus by Tommy Walker. And here it is.
it's by your spirit Lord we can follow no turning back 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 no turning Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. And here's what he said regarding this song. He said, this song is based on the last words of Nuxing, a man from the Garo tribe of Assam in the late 1800s. He and his family were threatened by their chief to deny their new faith in Jesus or face death. Nuxing replied, I have decided to follow Jesus. With these words, his family was killed in front of him. Then his own life was threatened by the chief, and Nuxing's response was, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. The cross before me and the world behind me. No turning back. He was then killed. In a shocking turn of events, the chief was so moved by the demonstration of this man's faith that he also became a believer in Jesus along with his tribe. The story shows the power of commitment to follow Jesus no matter the cost. With our focus on our Savior and not on this world or ourselves, we too can live the life God has set before us.
Regardless of the obstacle or sacrifice, God, help us to run toward the cross with joy. No turning back to show a lost world the grace and love of Jesus. From Luke 9.23, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And from 1 Peter 2.21, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So when the Lord tells us no one knows the day or hour, he is referring to the truth that nobody can know the timing of his second coming. Even though many have tried to predict the Lord's second coming, no one can, only the Father. In the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord tells us, but about the day or hour no one knows, not even the angel in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, from Matthew 24:36. Without proper context and a background understanding of what the Lord is saying, it can be quite confusing or know that the Lord means in this passage of Scripture. When the Lord says that no one knows the day or the hour, what does that mean? So understanding the surrounding context of this passage can be catalyst to understanding the overall meaning of Jesus' words in Matthew 24:36. In the broader understanding of Matthew 24, Jesus is talking with his disciples about the destruction of the temple and the events of the future. The destruction of the temple was fulfilled in A.D. 70 when the Romans destroyed the Jewish temple. While the aspect of Matthew 24 has already been filled, Jesus' second coming has not yet occurred. Much of Matthew 24 is referring to the second coming of Christ. Jesus' first advent into the world took place over 2,000 years ago, yet nobody knows when his second coming will return except the Father. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And that is from Matthew 24, 33-36. As Jesus explains in the passage of Scripture, nobody knows when the second coming will be except the Father. Therefore, when the Lord tells us no one knows the day or the hour, he's referring to the truth that nobody knows when his second coming will be. Many individuals throughout time have tried to predict the second coming of Christ, yet there is no way a person can predict the Lord's second coming. So the second coming of Christ is often confused with the rapture of the church. Many scholars blend these two events of eschatology to be the same event. However, the second coming of Christ and the rapture are two distinct events. The rapture will occur before the second coming of Christ because the second coming will not occur until the end of the seven-year tribulation. None of us can predict the time when all these future events will take place. The rapture is a catalyst for the rest of the events of eschatology as believers will be taken up to be with the Lord prior to the seven-year tribulation. After seven-year tribulation will be the second coming of Christ. During this time, Christ will return to fight in the battle of Armageddon. The Apostle John, the writer of Revelation, records this future events as he writes, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword in which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, from Revelation 19, 11-16. In the battle of Armageddon, the Lord will defeat the Antichrist and the false prophet. Jesus will rule victorious over evil and destroy all those who win against him. The second coming will be drastically different from his first coming. Hebrews 9.28 tells us, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The Lord has already given us the opportunity to place faith in him through the knowledge of the gospel. Yet as his second coming, he will bring the full promises of our salvation to fruition. And in the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus will reign as king for 1,000 years, and then he will establish the new heaven and the new earth, from Revelations 21. When God establishes the new heaven and new earth, the world will be exactly as God first intended it to be in the Garden of Eden. No longer will there be any death, pain, or sadness. Instead, there will only be happiness, joy, and life. The second coming of Christ is something we should all look forward to, as it will be a major event in eschatology. If you are presently already a believer, you can be confident in the knowledge that you will return with Christ as his second coming and help fight in the battle of Armageddon. All believers who have died or been taken up in the rapture prior to the seven-year tribulation will return to Christ to fight the battle of Armageddon. While this may be frightening, we can trust in the Lord and in his future plans. Everything in the Bible will happen just as God tells us it will. At the very end of all things, the Lord will restore all of his children to live with him in the perfect paradise. Let the truth encourage your heart today. Thus, when the Lord tells us no one knows the day or hour, he is referring to the truth that nobody can know the timing of his second coming. Even though many have tried to predict the Lord's second coming, there is no way to accurately predict the second coming. As Christians, we can patiently wait for this day and pray for its coming. There are major events of eschatology that will occur in the future, but we must not be blinded by these fascinating events to the point that we forget our responsibility now to share the gospel and help others come to know the Lord. By sharing the gospel and helping others to know Christ, we are slowly helping to advance God's kingdom and help more individuals to come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord, to be with Him in heaven. And so next I want to read you a poem. It's called Hold On Fast by Deborah Ann Belka. Hold on fast, give up never from your hope. Do not sever, don't let anyone take from you the crown that is to you due. Hold on fast, don't you release your grip on eternal peace. Don't let anything drag you away from the truth. Do not go astray. Hold on fast. Don't you let go. Jesus is coming before you know. And from Revelations 3.11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown.
So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham called Life is Short. And here it is. Time is short. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If I told, if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. And if I tell you that, you don't believe it either. I cannot get young people to understand how brief life is, how quickly it passes. It seems like yesterday I was in school. Every one of us here has been given the same amount of time in a day. 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours per week. 70 years God allows us. And it's interesting to me, with all of our medical science, we've never passed that magic mark. The average American male today lives 70 years and four months. The average female, 73 years and six months. More people live to be 70, but the average age of an American is still 70, as taught in the scriptures. What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it'll soon be over. I'd write down my priorities in life. And I'd get committed to certain priorities. Now is the accepted time. The things we ought to do, the classes we ought to take, the books we ought to read. Do it now. The family that needs you, spend more time now. Write that letter home now that you've been meaning to write. Money you ought to give, give now. Time for study, do it now. People you ought to witness to, do it now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now. Today, if you will hear his voice. There may not be a tomorrow for you and for me. Because there's a warning to time. Time is running out for all of us. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Do not halt between two opinions. Fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. And each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdrafts. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil and the days in which we're living are very evil. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Jesus said as long as it is day, we must do the work of him that sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. The night is going to come in your life. Yet there was a serenity about the work of the Lord Jesus. It's the quality of life, not the length. Jesus only had 33 years and it ended on the cross. To the world, he was a failure at that moment. Yet at the end of his life, he said, I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. It doesn't matter whether you live another year or two years or five years. Will your work be finished? Is there a quality to it? Is there a dedication to it? Suppose all of our members tithe their time to witness for Christ as we tithe our income for the church. Fill your heart with the word of God. I found 
that those who know the scriptures are the ones that have the power today. But we need men and women who walk with God. And if you do that, you too can finish the work that God gave you to do. And help us to realize the brevity and the urgency of time. And may we invest what little time we have in the kingdom of God. So that does bring the end of our episode today and my prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on heaven. You can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. So I hope everybody had a great week. God bless and we'll catch you next week.